0: Because I have such a vivid imagination, we're going to uh, title this message, Another Benefit of Church Membership. Uh, it's uh, actually a place of service and reward. Okay, another benefit of church membership, a place of service and reward. Now, we'll get to our passage in just a minute, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 11-15, so once you find it, just kind of keep your finger there. Um it's uh, going to deal with the benefit of being a faithful member of the church that you attend, but we need to spend a little time uh, refreshing ourselves with the understanding of uh, of the judgment seat of Christ, or the bema seat of Christ, uh, before we go on. That way we can make the proper application uh, and, and, and practical application of the passage. So, a uh, little bit of a history lesson to to begin with, okay? Uh, the Greek word bima uh, that we'll come across here, uh, in the Greek or Roman world of the first century, the bima referred to, to a raised place or a platform. Uh, in the Greek law courts, uh, one bima was provided for the accuser and one bima was provided for the accused. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, it, it designates an official seat for a judge. Uh, usually the Roman governor, sometimes referred uh, in, in reference to the emperor, that's used of God and, and, and it's used for Christ. In, in Matthew 27 and in John 19, we read of Pilate sitting in judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ on the judgment seat or, or the bema seat, which would have been a chair of some kind placed on a raised platform. We see it in Acts uh, chapter 18 uh, in the city of Corinth. Uh, presided over by a fellow named Galio uh, when Paul was brought there on false charges. Uh, In our day, the elevated desk and the chair where the judge sits in a courtroom, we might liken to a Bema seat. So it's it's an official seat where, where someone with governmental authority sits in judgment of others and they make binding rulings concerning them. Sometimes the Bema is a place of punishment. Sometimes the Bema is a place of reward. But now our concern is not the Bema or the judgment seat of a law court, whether it's the first century or the 21st century. What's important for us as Christians is that the New Testament speaks of something called the Bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 14, verse 10. You can jot this down, look it up later on. Romans 14, 10 says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now the important truth to note here is that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to, to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, there's a little more detail uh, here in 2 uh, in, in Corinthians 5.10. Uh, why will every Christian appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Okay, that's, a, that, that, that's the question. The answer is to be judged according to everything that you have done in the body, whether it is good or bad. Now, admittedly, these two verses don't give us a whole lot of detail about the judgment seat of Christ, but both verses do establish something that is beyond any doubt, and that is that every Christian will stand before our Lord Jesus Christ someday, and at some time our deeds, our actions will be judged by our Lord according to what we have done, whether they are good or bad. So in this message, I I want to show some criteria that Jesus is going to use to judge us who are Christians when we stand before his Bema seat. Uh, Some of us will be pleasantly surprised by what we hear. Some of us may not be so pleasantly surprised. Let me make another another little detour here for you, uh, just for clarification. Um, In Scripture, you find the judgment seat of Christ, and you find the great white throne judgment okay they are very different Um, if when you die you find yourself at the great white throne judgment it will be because you died lost you died unsaved you died not knowing jesus as your savior and uh, already condemned in your sins So the great white throne judgment is for those who die without Christ. You will be formally sentenced to eternity in the lake of fire, and that sentence will be carried out without delay. That is for the lost. The judgment seat of Christ is only for believers. It is for and only for believers. Christians, those of us who die saved, the judgment seat of Christ is for judging performance. Right? Now think of an Olympic ice skater. Uh, if they make it to the ice during the Olympics, there is no question whether they are skaters or not, right? If they make it that far, they're skaters, okay? They'll be judged on how well they perform as skaters. So when we make it to the judgment seat of Christ, there's no question as to whether or not we are christian or 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 saved or know the lord because if we've made it to the judgment seat of christ it is because we are saved our performance is being judged that is the judgment seat of christ for us in second timothy chapter 2 verse 5 it says that and if a man also strive for masteries yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully Now, again, this is an allusion to uh, the Olympic Games. Uh, There will be no reward for the competitor who does not compete within the rules of the contest. Uh, John Gill writes this. He says, according to the laws and rules fixed for these exercises, so no man call himself a Christian, minister, or any other can expect the crown of life, the prize of the high calling of God, except he runs the race set before him in the right way so we must strive lawfully we must not ignore the portions of the word of god that 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 go beyond the exhortations to to serve our lord uh, not paying attention to the passages that give instructions on how to serve the lord or in what context our lord insists on being served details are important so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's begin in verse 11, read down to verse 15. It says, for other foundation can no man lay that, um, that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, there, thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. All right, so if you're taking notes, point number one, you need to consider the context of the passage, all right? Any understanding of Paul's First Corinthians letter must rely on the realization that this letter was written to a church congregation. Uh, Chapter uh, 1, verses 1 and 2 say, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, how would you like to have a name like that? Sosthenes, our brother. It says, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Now, the Holy Spirit, using Paul, grants permission to make application to Christians everywhere about the truths that are contained in the book of First, First Corinthians, but you can't divorce those from the fact that it's written to a church. It's written to a local congregation. You simply cannot separate churches... From the Apostle Paul, you can't separate his uh, his, his his writings, his, uh, his 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 thinking from from churches. Uh, you can't justly or rightly extract universal principles without filtering them through the context of the book, which is written first and foremost to a local assembly of baptized believers in Jesus Christ, just like we are. Now, though he was confronted by the risen glorified savior on the damascus road and though he was he was guided to a saving knowledge of jesus christ at that encounter he was baptized by a man named ananias saul of tarsus must be seen as coming to christ against the backdrop of the local church in in that town now now why is that it's because disciples are not disconnected from churches in scripture The idea of of a believer being unconnected to a local assembly is just not seen there. Uh, it's, It's all over scripture. Church history even shows us this. So though the explicit statements aren't made, Saul came to Christ, was baptized within the scope and the reach of the local church ministry in Damascus. Now, reach for Christ through the ministry of that local church. Paul then served in the church of Antioch as pastor. He was sent out as a missionary by the church at Antioch. He later planted churches wherever he went, coming back and reporting on his activities to the church at Antioch. So, when Paul writes to the Corinthian congregation, he's not writing to a nebulous or indistinct Christianity. He's not seeking to communicate with some ethereal notion of Christianity. He is writing to a church, a body, a congregation. Uh, and, 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 and if you will carefully read the Corinthian letter, you'll see that he's writing about church issues, about church problems, about congregational matters. So when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15, we simply must understand that the things that Paul says in this passage have to do with a congregation, an assembled body of believers. And when he writes, Ye are God's building in chapter 3 and verse 9, he's addressing his comments to that congregation as distinct from other Christians, uh, both in the world, he's, it's even distinct from himself. And when in chapter 3, verse 16, he writes, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? He is again distinguishing that church from other churches, from other Christians. So our our text is bracketed by remarks and comments that can only be concerned with the congregational entity, the church, the body of Christ. Do we want to benefit from what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church? Absolutely we do then we'll have to make application of his remarks to them to our own situation and our own setting Uh, because he didn't write 1 Corinthians to churches everywhere. He wrote it to the Corinthians for churches, uh, Christians everywhere. That distinction has to be understood and preserved in our thinking if we're going to rightly divide the word of truth. Secondly, notice there's a a concept advanced here in this passage. Uh, look at it again i want you to see it uh we're going to read it one more time but i want you to 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 notice some words he uses here uh there's foundation in verse 11 there's the word build in verse 12 foundation in verse 12 he talks of building materials gold silver precious stone wood hay stubble in verse 12 he talks about a fire uh, that's going to test the quality of a man's work in verse 13 there's going to be rewards received in verse 14 and the notion that, that a man's work is, is, is burned by fire, even though he suffers loss, he's going to be saved but by fire. So, so look at it again. It says, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if any man build upon this foundation <clears throat> gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Do you recognize that the imagery that Paul is using here is that of a temple? Uh, He he has called the Corinthian church God's building in verse 9. He refers to himself as a wise master builder in verse 10. He points out that the the Lord is the foundation in verse 10, and what would be more appropriate for a temple than gold, silver, precious stones that are mentioned in verse 12. Then in verse 16, the Corinthian congregation is identified as the temple of God. Now what does this passage refer to then in light of these observations? Well, Paul is likening the efforts of the Corinthian congregational members under his direction to the construction of a temple. It's not physical, literal temple, of course. It's a it's a spiritual temple that is fashioned with labor and effort and prayer and ministry. If the building materials are spiritual and of high quality then they are likened to gold, silver, precious stones. But if the building material consists of indifference, slothfulness, distraction, um, inattention, carnality, then the efforts or, or the lack of effort is likened to wood, hay, stubble. Now keep in mind That the temple is the very congregation of which they are a part, according to verse 9 and verse 16. Paul is informing the Corinthian church members that they will be rewarded on the basis of the quality of the material that they have put into the building of their temple. Notice that no mention, and this is important to note, no mention is made of the quantity of the materials used. But the quality of materials used so it doesn't matter if you've been graced with great capacity for service or you've been graced with little capacity for service that's not what the issue is the issue is the quality of your service our Jesus is interested only in each of us doing the very best we can with the grace he has given us so if your efforts at building the temple show that you were faithful in attendance, you prayed fervently for your fellow church members, you, you, you led a spiritually devotional life, you rendered service as unto the Lord, you worked to get the lost under the sound of the preaching of the gospel, you sought always to, to exalt and extol the virtues of the Savior in your life, then the building materials you would use would, would, would be gold, silver, precious stone. But if you were unfaithful, Without a decent prayer life, without a mind to glorify God or sincerely serve Jesus, missing most church services, not, not seeking to compel the lost to come in, then your materials that you would be building with wouldn't be suitable for a, for a temple, more of a, more of a shanty, more of a lean-to of wood, hay, and stubble. What must be kept in mind when considering this passage is that the rewards are not for efforts in general, neither are they rewards for sincerity that is misplaced. The rewards are for doing the right thing, building the temple, which is the church congregation that you're a part of, building the temple in the right way with a life that seeks God's end, with a life that seeks Christ's glory. Now, thirdly, that leads us to a conclusion. First of all, we have to conclude that our efforts as Christians are going to be judged. Okay? Uh, they will be judged by our Lord, and he will judge them by fire to determine the quality. All right? So if your life's work is of the right quality, remember not quantity, but quality, gold, silver, precious stone. It's going to survive the fire, and you will be rewarded. That portion of your life's work that is not of the right quality, that Jesus terms to be wood, hay, or stubble, will be consumed by fire and leaving nothing to reward. The second thing we conclude is that only your temple-building efforts, efforts connected with your local church, will be judged worthy of the rewards in this context. There's, there's no mention in this passage, which is the most extensive passage in Scripture con- containing the criteria of the rewards. Uh, really, here or anywhere else in Scripture, matter of fact, of, of the rewards being given for labor that is not connected with the building, with the temple, with the church congregation. So not only is there no suggestion given that involvement in ministry unconnected with the church congregation will be rewarded, we saw in second timothy 2 5 that if we're going to strive we must strive lawfully the third thing we conclude here is that the church is a temple of god that, that is being built so rightly directed effort in christian ministry should be must be related to your church there's simply no example of service or any any directive to serve found outside the Word of God, or I'm sorry, found 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 in the Word of God that has to do with, with, with serving outside your local church. Um, it's, it's just ministry that is not directed to, through, or from a rightly constituted church of Jesus Christ. We don't see that example in Scripture. When ministry is seen, it is seen towards, through, or from the local congregations we see in the New Testament. Now, make sure you understand what is and what is not being said. Are there rewards for service not connected to your local church? Scripture doesn't say. Do you gain or lose rewards for service or lack of service not connected to your local church? Scripture doesn't say. But you have to be careful with an argument from silence. Since we don't know if there are or are not rewards connected for service not connected to your local church, but we know absolutely that there are rewards connected to your local church service, then wisdom would dictate where most of your efforts in ministry should be placed. That would be toward, through, from your local assembly. Does this mean that you should only serve the Lord uh, in capacity that's connected to your local church? I'm, I'm, no, I don't, I don't think that's what it means. It's a good work that you can do, and it honors the Lord have at it. As you have, therefore, opportunity to do good unto all, all men. But remember that the only guarantee of reward for service that is explicit in Scripture is that service connected to your local assembly. See, Lone, lone Ranger Christians, as, as they're often called, um, I kind of like that, that, that term, it seems to fit, Lone Ranger Christians, Christians that serve unconnected from any local assembly, they're they're not explicitly promised any rewards. That doesn't mean that they don't do good things. It means that they didn't follow Christ's rules for doing the good things. So, So they may not be rewarded for the good things that they did. They have maybe strived wonderfully. They have done many wonderful things for the Lord, but they haven't striven lawfully. I know that, that there are so many people that see involvement in, in parachurch ministries as somehow more sophisticated or, 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 or superior to involvement in just the lowly church where we, you know, we, we slug it out week to week uh, with members, numbers of folks who, who, who may or may not be very committed, operate on a shoestring budget, you know that kind of thing. But, but it's a local church that is authorized by God's word. It's the local church. It's God's building in a spiritual sense. It's the temple of God. We see the local congregations as God's plan A, and we don't see a plan B. One of the most glaring oversights of those who think they might be above ordinary church going Christians is that the local church, the body of Christ, again, is the only explicit place where our Lord, our Savior, specifically tells us how he wants to be served and where he wants to be served. So it seems the only place where the efforts of his people will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ is that work connected to, through, or from your local church. Now, I understand that this is unpopular to say, that it may be unpleasant to hear, I mean, that, that possibility exists, but all things being equal, we are not equal with God. He has told us what is lawful and what is not, and if we don't strive lawfully, then we ought not be surprised when we're not rewarded for doing things when we did them our way and not God's way. Even if it was God's work we were doing and even if it was a wonderful work that we did, God's word is clear. Our rewards are inseparably coupled to the churches that we're a member of. We get to serve and be rewarded here. Each church of Jesus Christ is a place where you can serve. It's a place where you can earn rewards from your Savior. And remember that when you stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, your salvation is not at stake. If you make it to the judgment seat of Christ, it's because you are saved and your performance is being reviewed, you're being scored, your, your works are being analyzed by the fire. And it seems that scripture is clear your main thrust your main priority your main place of service and reward is to be right here in your congregation this is where we best love one another this is where we best serve one another this is where we best reach juno for christ and and and, and this is where we hold each other accountable and this is this is how we 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 admonish one another is right here so we need to do a little self-examination is how have we labored for our lord here how have we worked for him here have we been building with gold and silver and precious stone or has our work been wood and hay and stubble Will it survive the fire of Jesus' examination, or will it be scorched, burned, and left in a pile of ash? I'm going to encourage you to, uh, to ask the Lord to examine your heart and tell you what that condition is, because I'm, I'm not justified to make that call. I'm not, justifi- I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not qualified to judge you in that capacity. And ask the Lord to show you. Are my works gold, silver, precious stone? Or are my works wood, hay, and stubble? And if they're the gold, silver, and precious stone, ask the Lord to increase the building that you can do. If it's wood, hay, stubble, ask the Lord to show you a new... uh, hardware store a place where you can get better materials press into christ move closer to him so that your work is honoring to him and you can change the quality of the building you do for our lord stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed father again we want to thank you for your word and we thank you for its authority and we thank you that you give us opportunity like this for uh, for self-examination and, and and lord we want to be good builders we want to honor you we want to love you more father often with the busy distractions of our life we uh We either forget how or we forget to ask even for help from you. So, Father, I I pray that your spirit would convict us or reveal to us the quality of the building materials that we're using for your glory here. And I pray, Lord, that if we find the wood, the hay, and the stubble, that we would repent of the sins that would cause that, that would forsake those sins so that the building materials are honoring to you, their befitting of a temple of God. And Father, if we find the gold, the silver, and the precious stone, may we not be satisfied, but may we seek to build more, better, stronger, bigger. Because you have done that work in us to grow us. So Lord, I pray that with our lives we could honor you, When we face you, Lord, at the judgment seat, we don't want to be disappointed. That would be a reflection on you. We want to bring you glory. We want to bring you honor. We want to be faithful to you. So please work in us your will in that respect. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead?